Hi, this is John Hall, and welcome to a bonus episode. For the last several months, the All About Beer podcast has been producing great episodes on a single topic that matter to beer drinkers. The hosts, Don Tess and M. Souter, have great expert guests that bring unparalleled insight into all of the aspects of beer. On this episode that you're about to hear, it tackles the importance of clean draft lines. And even if you're a casual drinker, this is still important and fascinating. You can hear regular episodes of the All About Beer podcast, as well as Brewer to Brewer and Beer Travelers by searching All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice. And if you believe in quality journalism and content, I hope you'll give our Patreon a look. That's patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. Or you can learn more about advertising on the shows by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Drink Beer, Think Beer. But for now, please enjoy the All About Beer podcast with M. Souter and Don Tess. I'm M. Souter, better known as Pints and Panels. And I'm Don Tess, better known as the Don of Beer. Welcome to the 12th episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic of beer. Visit the all about oh, visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And why not visit our Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about draft lines, draft cleaning, and why draft beer lines are super important. You should be cleaning your goddamn draft lines. Yeah. God damn it. I never swear on this show, but man, clean your la- clean your lines. Uh, and I got You're super losing squeaky. your voice. I You're lose so my voice. I'm like a squeaky boy. <laughs> um, our guest this week is the fabulous Neil Witty of Craft Quality Solutions. And I'm so excited to be able to talk to him because, one, he's a master Cicerone. He owns his own draft business. He helped write the draft beer quality manual. Like, he's the draft guy. Um, man, and again, there's nothing more important in the beer world. And that's also incredibly misunderstood, incredibly technical, but incredibly important as clean draft lines. Don, you've had bad draft beer before. And how yeah, did, it, I, how did yeah. it make you feel? It made <laughs> you feel sad, right? It made me feel sad. I do. I just, I just you know, everybody knows I like a good joke. So I, I, wa- I just want to say that Neil Witty is the first overall draft pick. Come on, <laughs> I, give me <laughs> I want that. Uh, Normally, right. your jokes don't make me laugh, but that was a good one, and I, I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I uh, it's incredibly important draft cleaning, draft lines. Like when you get a bad draft beer, uh, it makes you sad. It can set your whole day or night or whatever. It can make you second guess what you're tasting. It can make you second guess your the brewery. It can make you second guess what you're drinking. Um, it's just overall an incredibly important thing. So I'm really, really excited to be able to talk to Neil today about why this matters. Yeah, me too. I, uh, like you say, I've also had bad beer experiences through draft lines and uh, it's something I actually don't know a lot about. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what Neil has to say and uh, and and then becoming a better consumer because um, we can all be better consumers. Neil Witte is a 26-year veteran of the beer business. He's the Associate Director of Exams for the Cicerone Certification Program and runs Craft Quality Solutions, his consulting and draft beer services. Neil is a longtime judge at the Great American Beer Festival and at the World Beer Cup. He is certified through BJCP and is one of only 22 Master Cicerones. 
He is also the original member of the Brewers Association Draft Beer Quality Subcommittee and is the co-author of the Draft Beer Quality Manual. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello. Thanks for having me. So can you give people a background of your knowledge with uh, draft quality? Um, well, it goes back quite a ways to my early years with Boulevard Brewing Company. Um, you know, I worked with Boulevard Brewing Company for 19 years, starting in 97. And, you know, originally I started as a brewer. And after about three years in that role, uh, John McDonald, the founder of the company and president at the time, uh, created a new role of a field quality manager as someone who would go out in the marketplace and make sure that all the beer that we made at the brewery tasted good out in the marketplace. And it was kind of a unique role at the time in a brewery. Um, I think New Belgium was the only other brewery in the, you know, in the craft beer category, so to speak, that was doing something similar. And so I, you know, I was given the mandate to go out and make sure our beer tasted good out at retail and, you know, when you get out there and really start looking at where most of the quality issues pop up, it comes up with draft beer. And they, you know, they gave me the mandate pretty much uh, learn as much about craft beer or sorry, draft beer as you can and become an expert on it. And they gave me a lot of leeway to learn and, uh, you know, get my hands dirty, uh, start doing draft installation on behalf of the brewery because there was a lot of uh there were a lot of bad badly designed systems out there uh, we found we could put in a better system uh, and improve quality that way um and you know so they let me you know do a lot of that and do a lot of experimentation and playing around at the brewery with different stuff and that's really where it all began um and you know and I did that work for 16 years for them uh, and then when I left, which is, I guess, been six years ago now, um, you know, I've kind of continued that work. So it's been kind of a long journey. Cool. And, yeah. And you've, you also, so you now, what you do is you have your own company and then yeah. you also work for Cicerone. You also work for, cause you had a hand in doing the draft beer quality manual, which is uh, not a beach read but essential reading, in my opinion, uh, for anyone who owns a bar or a brewery or in actually in general, I mean, it's a little technical, um, but yeah, you've got your, like, you're the, when I think of draft beer, I think of you, Neil, because you're the guy. Well, (laughs) well, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've kind of, uh, built a lot of my career around, uh, my draft beer knowledge and expertise and, you know, that's become a large part of what I'm known for in the business. Um, you know, uh, part of that is, you know, due to uh, my participation in the draft beer quality manual and the uh, writing of that book, as you mentioned, you know, we started that process in 1997. In 2007, uh, it was shortly after the Brewers Association was formed, uh, you know, before that, it was the Association of Brewers, and then they merged with the old Brewers Association of America because there were a lot of overlapping agendas. And when they came together, uh, they formed the technical committee, 
of the Brewers Association uh, to deal with technical issues. And a subcommittee of that was draft beer quality. And that was one of the very first things that the technical committee took on. And so I was part of that committee from its inception. And, you know, our first task was to put our heads together and speak with one voice as an industry. Um, we, you know, very quickly got on board with the help of Ken Grossman, who's pretty influential dude. Um, we uh, got the big brewers on board. So we had AB, Miller, Coors. This was pre-joint venture, pre-InBev uh, days. And, you know, so there were about 20 to 25 of us that put our heads together over the course of a few years and, and wrote that first version of the manual. Um, you know, I still am part of that group today. It's, you know, it's hard to believe it's been as long as it has been. Um, you know, we're, I guess, in our 16th year, as crazy as it sounds, version four of the manual at this point. But we still meet and, and you know, talk about draft quality and do our workshop every year. We've got one coming up at CBC this year again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was that was a big uh, part of, you know, uh, that played a big role in, you know, me kind of getting my name out there as far as, you know, being someone who's uh, thought about uh, in in those terms, like you mentioned, um, and you know, right now, like uh, like you say, I I have my own business. I, it's called Craft Quality Solutions. I do uh, all kinds of consulting work in the business around uh, mainly around quality in the marketplace. You know, anything from, uh, you know, doing detailed work with distributors to help improve their draft quality teams uh, and improve their, you know, draft system maintenance. Uh, I, I do consulting with retailers on quality issues, uh, front of house service, back of house uh, design issues with systems. I do draft system installation. Um, I have some pet accounts here in Kansas City where I live, uh, where I actually do just some nitty gritty troubleshooting and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's kind of a catch all business that deals with anything and everything, uh, beer quality, draft beer quality. Uh, and that's in addition to the work I do with Cicerone certification program. I'm, I'm an exam manager and training manager for them. And a master Cicerone. <laughs> yes, and I'm a master Cicerone. I passed that <laughs> exam in 2012. Which would make you what number, Master Sister? Uh, well, my certificate says I was the sixth one. Okay, um, cool. There are 22 of them now. Awesome. Congratulations. I don't want to deviate from our main topic, but I wanted to congratulate you because that is significant. So, Well, thank you. It's been, uh, you know, it's been over 10 years now, but I appreciate the congratulations anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite a while. It's uh, been quite a journey uh, with the whole Cicerone thing as well. You mentioned that, you know, you, you install systems now um, and, and that, you know, in prior, you know, when you got into this, there was, you know, really bad system. Like what makes a good system? Um, well, you know, there are a few key areas where people can really screw up a draft system, you know, uh, when I first got into draft beer, one of the reasons that the field quality position was created at Boulevard uh, in the early 2000s to begin with was that there was a, a huge pro proliferation of air compressors pushing draft beer 
as a means of gas dispense, which is, you know, if you know anything about beer, oxygen is an enemy of beer. And the thought of pumping oxygen into a keg to dispense it is just absolutely horrifying. Um, if you've ever had a beer on draft that's been dispensed with uh, air, compressed air, it's terrible. It ruins the flavor in, in about a day. You know, think about your, uh, the bar, you know, the backyard barbecue where you got the keg of beer and the hand pump. Have you ever had that beer the next day after you've pumped that thing full of air? It's disgusting. And, you know, it's because it's lost all the gas. The compressed air doesn't keep it carbonated. Um, and it's just simply oxidized. It's uh, It just tastes like, you know, wet paper or cardboard. It's really gross. And that happens at retail when you use compressed air. And back in the day, those were all over the place. There were, you know, there were some markets that were particularly bad, but they were all over. It was, you know, I would say probably 25 to, you know, 30% of all of the long draw systems were compressed air, if not more. Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of my first task was to clean a lot of that stuff up. Um, but, you know, moving on, once we got a lot of that stuff cleaned up, um, you know, we were able to turn our attention to some of the other issues that, uh, that were pretty commonplace as well. Um, you know, one of them was using just a, a, a bad generation of, of beer tubing. You know, there's been a lot of advances over the past 25 years in the quality of draft line tubing. Mm. Um, nowadays, the standard is this kind of squishy thing we call barrier tubing, which is uh, resistant to uh, biological buildup because it has a very smooth surface on the interior of the line. It also uh, is you know, relatively impervious to uh, gas. So the beer doesn't go flat inside the lines. You know, 25 years ago, if you went to a, a bar that had a long draw system, they would be, uh, they would pour all the beer out of the line at the beginning of the day because it was all flat. Um, you know, so that those are some of the things that we concentrated on. And then, you know, once uh, a lot of the air compressors went away, uh, a lot of people switched over instead to Guinness gas because that was all over the place. And so they, you know, they went from a really bad situation to just a simply bad situation where, you know, now we, you know, they weren't making their beer taste terrible after a day. They were just making it go flat after like four or five days. Um, and so there was a lot of work to be done to clean up a lot of that stuff too. Um, Why would Guinness, I, 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 for consumers who don't know, what would what is Guinness gas? So yeah, yeah. Um, so Guinness uh, is a nitrogenated beer, uh, and it behaves differently when you pour it on draft. If you've ever had one, that special cascade comes from the nitrogen that's infused in the beer, as opposed to CO two, which is uh, in your standard beer. Uh, and to dispense that beer, you can't use regular CO two or a CO2 rich blended gas like you would for a regularly carbonated beer because it ruins that beer. So it's there's not much carbonation in it. So you use a very nitrogen rich gas to push it. Um, and it's, you know, while it's perfect for Guinness, that nitrogen rich gas will cause regularly carbonated beers to go flat. It lets all the gas escape from the beer. Um, but, you know, Guinness is really popular and it has been for a long time. 
Um, and so that gas is pretty common. Um, and, you know, the for long jaw systems that require, I'm, I'm trying not to get too into the technical weeds here for your audience, but uh, yeah. uh, for long jaw systems, uh, you usually require some type of blended gas to achieve higher pressures on the keg without ruining the carbonation in the beer. Uh, and that blend is for regularly carbonated beer is usually around like 70% CO2. Uh, Guinness gas, on the other hand, what you need is something that's more along the lines of 25% CO2. So if you're if you decide that uh, you're going to use your Guinness gas to push everything on your long draw system, uh, you can get the beer to pour, but all your regularly carbonated beers will go flat. So that's a that's been a pretty common issue for a long time. It's gotten a lot better over the past probably you know five plus years, but uh, you know, it's again, that was one of those things that uh, uh, that um, myself and a lot of people in the business, especially, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, were working really hard to, to change. I want to talk about infection. Yeah, because um, I posed a question on Twitter of, you know, who has a bad draft line story? And I'm a lot of people spoke up, but it's I think everyone has a bad draft line story when you go to a bar um i went to a giant everyone has one i went to a giants game at metlite stadium i ordered a miller light and it was disgusting and i paid yeah. 11 dollars for that miller light and i was <laughs> very upset so much so that i contacted molson course because i know people there and they had the guy come out the next day to like fix it really um, oh, wow. yeah 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 i was like hey you <laughs> I want uh and so now I only order bottles at stadiums because stadiums that's a whole other podcast to yes. talk about stadiums yeah um but everyone has a bed and in I know in Connecticut where I live it it is a legal requirement and you have to clean your own draft lines certain it's so weird with certain states in America the distributor cleans their lines or that's illegal you have to do it in Connecticut we're required to clean them weekly um, but no, yeah. I've, I've never had anyone come and be like, show me your log and you, every, every restaurant or brewery is required to keep a log of draft cleaning. Hmm. Um, yes. And so if the state health inspector shows up and says, I want to see your draft cleaning log, um, can you talk a little bit about the importance of draft cleaning and why consumers should care? Because there's nothing worse than getting my family goes to like our family pizza place in the town I used to grow up in. And the system is, I don't, I want to go back there and be like, can I look at your kegerator? Cause I, it tastes <laughs> that Stella is something special. Something. Yeah. Special. <laughs> well um, that, that, I mean, you know, you, your story there at the stadium and at your uh, hometown pizza joint or whatever, uh, you know, those are perfect examples of why uh, draft line cleaning is important and why this is an important topic. Um, you know, stuff grows in beer. Uh, beer has uh, lots of food for microorganisms uh, and microorganism, these microorganisms uh, uh, that really are kind of all over the place and very common in daily life uh, that we that we don't really notice because we don't see them or whatever, but they're all over the place. They get into draft systems, they get into draft lines, typically through the coupler uh, where the, the device taps onto the keg and 
they feed on carbohydrates in beer and multiply. And certain types of microorganisms, when they reach a certain critical mass, uh, they will start to produce uh, compounds that you can detect uh, and can make your beer taste bad. So there's, you know, uh, there's one called lactobacillus. It's a bacteria that's all over the place and it gets into draft lines. And when it multiplies in a, uh, in, in a biofilm on the inside of the draft line, it produces lactic acid, which makes your beer taste sour. Uh, there's also another one called Pediococcus, uh, which uh, does the same thing and it produces lactic acid, but it also produces diacetyl, which tastes like butter or like movie theater buttered popcorn. Um, and those things are gross when you're, you know, when you're tasting them in your draft beer. Um, and so this is a natural thing. I, I don't want to scare anybody. Uh, you know, this happens. It's a naturally occurring thing. There's nothing in beer. There's nothing that grows in beer in a draft line that's going to make you sick. Uh, it's just going to make your beer taste bad. And, you know, these things uh, are easily controlled by simply cleaning the draft lines. And that just involves uh, flushing a chemical solution through the draft line, uh, every two weeks uh, and flushing out that biofilm. And so if that line cleaning is being done regularly and, and you know, the right way, then these issues will never pop up. Um, so, you know, but unfortunately uh, it doesn't always get done uh, the right way. And, you know, a lot of it is because it's, it's a complicated system, like you mentioned, uh, different states have different laws about who can clean draft lines and who can't. Uh, in the majority of states, beer distributors have that responsibility or they take that take on that responsibility. But there's about 15 states where it's illegal for distributors to clean draft lines. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's considered inducement to purchase alcoholic beverages, which we all know is, is incredibly evil. Um, and so, you know, that duty, it falls upon retailers and, you know, and most people who work in the business or the on-premise business know that retailers don't know anything about draft systems for the most part. And so, you know, learning about line cleaning and understanding the importance of it uh, is, you know, sometimes lost in the shuffle. So, you know, it's, it's a complicated system and it's different depending on what state you're in. Some states have some regulations, like you suggest in Connecticut, Illinois has some similar regulations, but most states don't. Um, and so, you know, there's very little guidance out there about, uh, you know, how you should be doing it or when, you know, when you should be doing it. Um, you know, that's one of our goals with the draft quality group, uh, with the Brewers Association is to kind of get that information out there. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a critical thing because, you know, especially now with, uh, you know, when you look at, uh, trends in, you know, what beer is doing right now and, you know, beer overall as a category is struggling, craft beer overall as category is struggling, um, you know, sales aren't what they used to be. And, you know, draft beer remains a great sampling opportunity uh, that drives uh, beer sales overall. And if you're screwing up that first encounter someone has with a beer, 
then, you know, that hurts beer overall. And so, you know, the, uh, you know, the more I see sales numbers and trend numbers in beer, the more I think, man, draft quality is more important than ever. Uh, you know, we gotta, we've, we've got to make sure that people's first sampling experience with a certain beer is going to be a good one. And the draft beer quality manual is that you can buy it like a hard copy, but it's available for free, right? As a PDF. Am I? Yeah. If you go to the Brewers Association website, uh, you can uh, search for draft beer quality manual. Uh, You search for it online. It'll take you there. Uh, You can download a PDF for free. That's right. Um, So, you know, it's a, it's a free resource to anybody who wants it and you can buy a hard copy. I think it's might be like, 10 or 12 bucks or something like that. Um, you know, it's pretty cheap, but, and it's, you know, and it's a, it's a technical manual. So, you know, we, uh, we go into basically everything that uh, is important for maintaining the quality of beer uh, at a bar or restaurant or a brewery tap room. Uh, everything from equipment selection for a draft system to system design and installation and draft line cleaning. We have step-by-step instructions, uh, you know, basically SOPs on how to clean draft lines uh, with, you know, how to clean them a couple different ways, depending on the methodology that you're using. Um, And, you know, we go into all the details that you need. If you have that book, you will be able to learn how to clean your draft lines appropriately. I I would... I would encourage people, uh, consumers to read it as well. I mean, there's certain aspects that parts of that, that, that maybe they can skim over, but I like, you know, as a consumer, I personally like knowing the hows and whys of things. And, and, and I think it helps the consumer to understand this so that when they're sitting at the bar, they can kind of understand what's going on and ask the right questions. Like if something is tasting off, they'll kind of know what questions to ask of the bartender or manager yeah. Um, yeah, the so troubleshooting trouble section yeah. is really good. Yeah, and there's also, I should mention, uh, you know, some years ago we did produce uh, a bit of a, a condensed, uh, kind of easier to digest version of it uh, for, specifically for retailers. Uh, it's called, uh, as you might imagine, uh, draft beer quality for retailers. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we wanted, we realized that, you know, it being a technical manual that, you know, has grown in scope quite a bit over the years. Uh, it's, it's not the easiest thing for a retailer who oftentimes is too busy or is very busy and, you know, maybe doesn't have time to sift through a whole manual like that. Uh, you know, it was designed for them to be able to get to the topics that matter most to them. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the line cleaning stuff is, is addressed in there and in, in condensed form and, and is, uh, laid out in a way that's maybe easier to digest for somebody who, you know, doesn't have all the time to sift through a highly technical manual. And so draft cleaning isn't that like that something. difficult. I mean, it, I mean, it, it can be with long draws when you get into dynamic cleaning and you have pumps and stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, once you know that and how to work it, um, it's quite it's quite fun to watch someone actually clean the lines because it's very colorful when you have because the caustic is blue, uh, which we were talking about before the show where they it was a requirement to make it blue so you didn't poison someone. Um, 
like they did in was it Vegas or Florida or yeah there's been several examples of uh, several instances unfortunately of people accidentally drinking draft line cleaner that was left in a line uh, and you know and it's a nasty chemical and it really messes people up it you know puts them in the hospital and you know people have gotten injured pretty severely uh, in the few instances where that's happened um, and yeah, we were talking beforehand about an instance in Florida, you know, probably 20 years ago or more, uh, where somebody drank some and it hurt them pretty bad and they sued the bar, they sued the bartender, they sued the, the line cleaning company. I think it was a distributor that had cleaned it. They sued the distributor. They just sued the manufacturer of the chemical, like basically everybody involved. Um, and uh, and they won a decent amount of money from what I recollect. Uh, and after that, uh, the, you know, these, the line cleaning chemical manufacturers started to put a dye into the, uh, into the chemical. So if you get a glass, you know, if you have clear chemical and you are pouring somebody like a Mick Ultra or a Coors Light, and, you know, somebody puts it in front of you and you're not thinking too much, you might take a sip before you realize, hey, this is a little clearer than my normally pretty clear beer. Um, but if they put a glass of blue liquid in front of you, you might be a little more hesitant to take <laughs> a swig out of it. It's um, the new Zima. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank um, you. Do, do you have any advice for consumers? Like, you know, I, I'm trying to imagine, and I'm not trying to defend anybody here, but I'm trying to imagine if if I had sipped a beer that had cleaner in it, I imagine I would taste it. And so whether I'm tasting cleaner or I'm tasting, it. yeah. <laughs> and, or I'm tasting uh, uh, lactic acid or diacetyl, um, like what would you advise consumers to do? If they, uh, what would I advise them to do in the case of, of sampling something like that, drinking, yeah. line cleaning solution well drinking line cleaning solution they'd probably be in the hospital yeah yeah i mean that's uh that's a pretty if you're drinking line cleaning solution that's a very serious issue and you know uh you know not only the bar but uh whoever cleaned the lines if it was the retailer oftentimes it's a distributor everybody kind of needs to be brought into that because that's a potential that's it's a liability situation that's, yeah. there. That's uh, you know more often than not, there's legal action being taken there because people get seriously injured there. Um, you know, and if you are if you drink wine cleaning solution, you're going to know it right away. I mean, oh, yeah. I've not done it, but my guess is that it burns really, really bad because it, you know, it's caustic, it's caustic solution, yeah. and it eats organic material. So in this case, it would be basically like dissolving your esophagus which is pretty bad yeah. uh, and it probably hurts pretty bad um if you're drinking beer that tastes bad like if you go to drink your your favorite pilsner beer and it tastes like buttered popcorn or it's sour uh you know that first of all you know you you have every right to send it back <laughs> and yeah. you and you know second of all you should be uh alerting the bartender or somebody or maybe even a manager at the restaurant to uh to the fact that the beer isn't tasting good and it's showing signs of the lines not being cleaned um you know i mentioned before that retailers oftentimes don't know much about draft beer systems and their draft beer 
Um, and this isn't, it's not so much of an indictment of retailers as it is of the system, the way it's designed or the way it's set up here in the US. Uh, you know, retailers pay somebody to put their system in when the same way they pay somebody to install their bar in their kitchen. And, and then once it's installed, they, you know, somebody else comes in and, and maintains it. They, somebody else cleans it. Somebody else fixes things when it breaks. And so they, they oftentimes don't know anything about it. And so they're very detached oftentimes from uh, the quality of what's coming out of it too. You know, a lot of retailers, you know, just see it as this kind of, you know, machine that makes them money by selling beer and dispensing their beer. And there's oftentimes, a, you know, a, a disconnect between what's actually the quality of the beer and the, you know, the awareness of the manager or the owner. Um, so, you know, they might have uh, really terrible beer coming out of the taps and the lines may, you know, may have only been cleaned once every like six or eight weeks. And they might not have any idea uh, if they're not drinking it themselves. And so, you know, they should know about it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if you if you get a really bad beard, I would, you know, say something about it yeah. and let them know, you know, especially if you, you know, recognize that is specifically something related to wine cleaning, then, you know, uh, you can let them know that. And that's information that they can use. Uh, and they may or may not care. And then I guess if they don't care, uh, you vote well, yeah. right. and go take somewhere your business, else. Yeah. Take your business elsewhere. I'm just thinking yeah, of, occasionally you know, in, you know, uh, in years of working with retailers, I would sometimes run across retailers that had serious issues and I would tell them and they, and their response would be, well, nobody's ever complained about it. Right. Well, right. you know, I'm letting you know now and you can either, you know, ignore this at your own peril, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. How, how uh, do you have a sense of how, let's talk about like, let's forget about stadiums and arenas, but like in terms of tap rooms and, um, and, and, you know, beer bars, how prevalent is it that like, as a consumer, if I'm a beer lover and I'm going to a tap room or, or, or a, or a bar, what is the probability I'm going to get bad beer? Do you have a sense of how prevalent bad beer lines are? It's 10%, um, 30%. You know, I think I think this is going to vary quite a bit with uh, where you live uh, and, you know, and what you're drinking. Uh, and I say that because, you know, because of the varying laws, right? Uh, some, uh, you know, some states, uh, you know, some states where distributors clean lines, have, you know, you might be in a city where all the distributors do a really great job. Or you might be in a city where the distributors clean lines and like two of the four big distributors do a good job and the other two don't, right? So that's right. going to depend right. on, on what you get. But, uh, you know, I, in in my opinion, it's fairly prevalent that you're going to get some type of quality issue. Uh, and, this, and this is including, this is both line cleaning and system design issues and date code issues. Cause that's the other thing we didn't really mention is, you know, beer being a perishable product. And as it gets older, it starts to show signs of age. Uh, you know, you get the 
kind of sherry-like characteristics, papery, cardboardy, honey-like, uh, you know, rich caramel toffee characteristics in some beers. Um, you know, that's really common too. And so when you add all that up, uh, I don't know if I'm in a position to put a percentage on that, but I encounter it quite a bit. Um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, I, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, it was my job to go out and have beer at retail specifically to look for these things. Right. So, you know, you, I may yeah. have a little bit of a skewed perception of it, but it's, uh, it's no, the reason I asked the question is I, I want consumers to, to feel comfortable that if they, that, you know, I think a lot of people are, are like taking wine, for example, I think a lot of people are hesitant to send a bottle of wine back uh, if they feel it's been, you know, it's not quite right. And I want consumers to know that this actually is a problem. And if you're tasting something that doesn't taste right, send it back. Don't feel like, oh, it's probably fine. I probably don't know what I'm talking about. No, like it, you're probably right. It probably doesn't taste good. Send it back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and chances are, if you're in a position where you're thinking about it, there's probably somebody else who's sent their beer back in the, you know, uh, within, you know, the, the, the previous couple of days, if not sooner, uh, you're probably not the only one. Neil, do you have any like tips or tricks for consumers? So like one of mine is when I go to a bar and I've never been there before and I'm, you know, I'm not sure about their draft system. I'll ask for a sample of like, even if I've had this like IPA a million times, I mean, the bartender doesn't know that. Uh, and so I can kind of sip before I'm like, Oh, okay. It's clean. We can go in and order, <laughs> order it. Uh, do you yeah. do something like that? Or do you just kind of go all in or do you have any other things that you do before you order beer? Um, you know, one of the things that I do is if I'm, close to the taps and I can get a look at them. Uh, you know, if you can see the faucets, you know, there's some subtle, but still pretty distinctive signs that the faucets haven't really been cleaned. Um, so when you look at the faucet, uh, the, you know, the front side of the faucet or around the spout, uh, or like at the base of the handle, like there's that little kind of round circle on the very front of the faucet. That's kind of the end of the plunger um, there. You know, you might see like dried beer around that or like some kind of, you know, gummy stuff or even like some kind of moldy stuff around the faucet. You know, faucets that haven't been cleaned in a while oftentimes will have outward signs. Of, it'll just look dirty. And dried beer, maybe even some mold on it. Um, so that's a that's a pretty good sign. Um, that's one of the things I'll look for. Um, you know, it's that's not a bad idea. What you're saying to get a little sample of it too, just to see. Um, you know, the first, you know, that's uh, one of the things that I would do if I was looking for issues of beer. Is I would I would try and get the first beer of the day out of there. So uh, you know what happens sometimes is you'll uh, the beer that's been sitting in the line overnight has been sitting in contact with all that biofilm and kind of absorbing all of the, you know, all of those flavors that we discussed before. And so the first pour of the day on a dirty draft line is going to be full of all the, all that, you know, sour flavor or buttery or whatever it might be. Uh, and, 
you know, it oftentimes happens where you'll get it all in that first beer, but then the second beer that you pour is coming, has, you know, has been in the keg and hasn't been in contact with the line as long and may not exhibit it as strongly and maybe not exhibit it at all unless it's been sitting in contact with the line for, uh, for a little bit of time. Uh, so, you know, that first pour of the day can be uh, really critical uh, and really telling overall. Sounds um, disgusting. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, getting a sample to start uh, can help out quite a bit. Um, when when it's when it's the distributor who is cleaning the lines, would it be typical that the distributor cleans all of the lines in a bar, or would they only clean the lines that their beers are on? And the reason I ask is that if I have a beer. Uh, at a bar and it and it tastes great. Can I assume that all of the other lines are being cleaned properly, or is that a bad assumption? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the distributor is typically going to come in and clean just their lines. So mm. you you might you know you, if you've got four beer distributors that sell beer to an account. Uh, they're going to have four different line cleaners come in on their own schedule and clean their own beer lines. So <clears throat> one might be kept in great shape, but the one next to it might not be. Um, and, you know, and this gets more complicated with uh, these heavy rotating tap bars. So you might have a place that's got 30 beer lines and they're constantly rotating different beers out. And so what happens sometimes you might have a given draft line that, you know, when distributor A comes in, uh, tap line number one doesn't belong to them, so they don't clean it. Uh, and so then uh, the after they leave, the retailer switches it. So, you know, uh, it used to belong to, you know, distributor B, but then after distributor A leaves, they change it over to a different brand. And now it does belong to distributor A, but they just left. And so distributor B comes in and, you know, it doesn't belong to them anymore. And so you can see how di putting different beers on from different distributors on the same line could cause certain lines to just kind of fall through the cracks because these different distributors come in and it never belongs to the distributor that's in there at the time when they're cleaning their lines. Uh, so, you know, I, I encourage retailers and I've worked with retailers on developing systems to be able to track their own line cleaning, even if distributors are doing that line cleaning uh, so they can make sure that uh, certain lines aren't falling through the cracks and just simply not getting cleaned. Right. It seems like such a pain in the ass. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, like a huge, an, or like a huge headache for, or like, I guess in, you know, in Connecticut, uh, distributors can't, it's illegal because then you're beholden to, all right, I got to keep this distributor's beer on so they'll clean it. And, and I kind of see where in Connecticut, it's your own, but then you're on your own and you got to find someone to clean it or you have to have, when I lived in Oregon, I cleaned the lines at the bar I worked at every two weeks. It was part of my clock in, it took two hours and. Yeah. And, and that's was, great because those are the bars where, you know, you're, you're more likely to find the best quality is where the retailer just takes it on themselves. 
Um, They're either in a state where distributors can't do it and they go ahead and take it on themselves and they don't farm it out to anybody else. They just do it themselves and they care about it. Or they, you know, some of these places, I mean, you know, Missouri, where I live is a distributor clean state. Uh, Distributors clean the lines around here, but there's a handful of bars and restaurants that don't like the unreliability of it. And they have purchased the equipment on their own and they clean their own draft lines. They're invested in their system. They're aware of what's happening with it. Uh, They know how to fix simple issues with it. They clean their own lines and their beer uh, is, you know, that's a place where I'm, where I'd be willing to go drink draft beer. Yeah. There was a, I can't remember, maybe M, it was you who told me there is a bar that they actually have a sign uh, at the bar. It says we last cleaned our lines on such and such a date. Oh, I think it's, there's a bar near my house that does that. Um, And it's really, you're like, oh, because it also is customer facing and you know, because like Mm -hmm. who thinks about if you're a casual beer drinker, I I would never think about draft cleaning, I guess, until I had a beer that was bad or I would have a beer and I would blame the brewery. Right. Yeah. Um, I had a, when I lived in Oregon, our, our new Belgium rep that would come in had like a cleaning tool and he would jam it in the faucet and swirl the faucet around. And if it came back with any material, he that you can't sell our beer. <laughs> yep. And, and he, for all of Oregon. And so you always knew when you were getting a new Belgian product at any bar in Oregon, that it was going to taste good. And it was a great thing that the sales rep did. Like he was, you know, making sure that the beer was good. And it always was every time I had a new Belgium, it was always excellent. Yeah. Yeah. They've always done a great job with draft beer quality. They have a, they continue to have a, a, a very robust uh, draft quality uh, department. Uh, Matt Meadows is, has headed that up for many years and he's a friend and colleague of mine. Um, they do a fantastic job and they've always uh, held their distributors to a higher standard than just about anybody else. Um, and that's, you know, that, uh, that, that tool sticking up in there is really, you know, probably, it was probably just a bar napkin. I you think know, it was you, a straw. It was just a yeah, plastic yeah, straw. You can use a little stir straw as well. And that's just, you know, one step in a basic uh, cleanliness audit of a system. You know, when I was at Boulevard, I've had all our sales crew uh, doing a certain number of audits uh, per week at retail and forms that they would fill out and they had, you know, a multi-step procedure they would go through to, uh, to audit cleanliness at retail and, you know, identify problems with system before they started affecting the flavor of the beer. It's so important. Like it's Mm -hmm. unlike, it's just, it's, it's (laughs) so, it's so important. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than when you get an infected beer. It, uh, you know, it, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I've heard it said so many times that the best beer is draft beer as opposed to a bottle or canned beer. And, but that is only true if if it's dispensed properly, right? So, yeah, it can really be, uh, you know, in uh, it can be one of the closest representations of, of what the brewer intended, uh, but it does require a little bit more care and feeding. It's yeah. so yeah, it's so important. And once you once you once you have it, which unfortunately I bet everyone has, and once you know how to spot it, you can be a better drinker. And go to buy the college dive bar down my street from my house has impeccable draft lines. 
Mm. Um, they take really good care of her. At least I, it tastes like they take really good care of it. And so we go there a lot because I know when I go, go there, I'm going to have a really good beer. And that's the most important part. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. I'm the same way. Uh, you know, I've got places where I know that I would, um, I'm okay drinking draft beer and there's other places where I'm probably going to order bottles. Um, not gonna do it. <laughs> if I see the majority of the bar, if I go to a bar and the majority of people are drinking bottles, I go, don't drink the draft lines. You will regret it. Yeah. Yep. Bottles only. So. Yeah. These subtle cues. Yeah. Yep. Well, Neil, thank you so much. Do you have anything else to add? Um, how can people reach you if uh, they want to get a hold of you to say, hey, put in my new fancy draft system or, hey, I got a draft question for you? Yeah. Uh, so they can reach out to me. The best way is uh, you can go to my website. It's sellgreatbeer.com. That's L E, <laughs> sorry, S E L L G R E A T B E E R sellgreatbeer.com has got information about uh, my business and consulting and the draft system installation. Um, I would refer you to my social media, but my favorite medium got taken over by a terrible person. So I pretty much abandoned it. Um, so I'm not really super present on social media uh, right now. Um, or you can email me at that same uh, address, Neil, N-E-I-L, at sellgreatbeer.com. Nice. Don, awesome. did you have any more questions for Neil? Nope. Nope. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I enjoyed this qu uh, quite a bit. So thank you, Neil. It's super yeah, important. Thanks for thank you. Yeah. Thanks for all you do, Neil, because the draft beer quality manual and making sure people are drinking great beer, it's you do it really well. So thank you. Not, I appreciate it. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah. As they say. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. This has been fun. All right. Thanks, Neil. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Cheers. So John, what did you learn today about draft beer? Do you feel like you're a better consumer? I feel like I'm a better consumer. Um, I don't, uh, I, I'm always hesitant to send beer back. I think I'm going to do, I, I want to be better at that. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked the tip about looking at the faucets. That's, That's something a really I yep. super good, super, super. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know me, I'm an Uber geek. Uh, I liked learning that. Where that is, Where does that diacetyl flavor come from? It's from Pediococcus. So uh, I did not know that. So how about you, Em? What'd you like about that? I just really enjoy listening to Neil like geek out a little. I also really enjoy talking about pe what people can do about um, getting bad beer, sending it back. I also, it's really fascinating to discover how much distributors play a role in draft cleaning. I don't have that in my state. So and I've every state that I've lived in, I've always cleaned the draft lines at places I've worked. And it's something that I've always taken very, like a lot of pride in. But for the majority of people, uh, it seems incredibly difficult to rely. I would be very frustrated to have to rely on a distributor for certain lines. And then what about mm -hmm. you know, other line? Like that's the fact that they only clean their lines. And with the amount of things changing all the time, you know, what if they clean a line and then for six weeks or so, no one cleans that line because it's got something else on it. Yeah. Or you keep switching and you're just not thinking about well, it. I mean, it can be a real detriment to your business. As Neil was was describing that, I was I was thinking, well, why doesn't the bar just take that on themselves? And then you said, well, you used to do it and it takes you two hours. I didn't realize, I didn't it can realize take it was all, that intensive. 
So for draft cleaning, you can do dynamic cleaning, which is hooking up to an electric pump and then you let it flow. Yeah, you have to take everything apart. You have to individually scrub every faucet. You have to soak everything in solution. Um, I worked in a bar that only had 18 taps. So we used a static cleaning, which is like a, it's a pot where you kind of push everything in and then let it sit and soak. It doesn't constantly move. And it has to sit for at least 20 minutes in the solution. And then you have to flush everything with water. And then at the end, you have to make sure that the pH is seven. So it's neutral like water. And then you have to hook everything back up. And then certain times you have to, you know, take apart all the coupler. I mean, it's incredibly involved. Um, I would get to the bar before we'd open and spend my whole morning there um, cleaning. And it was, I took it very seriously. Yeah. And so if you're, you know, if you don't think that it's an important part of your job, you're, yeah, that's three. You're in the wrong job. Yeah. 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 So it's something that's incredibly important. And I actually really enjoyed it because I like getting my hands dirty and, you know, making sure everything, you have a set list and you can, there's chemicals. It's, 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 it's fun, but it is a lot of work and then making sure you put everything back and there's tools. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a hassle, but it's a, a needed, a needed hassle that should be done and needed to be done. So a lot of places will hire draft cleaning companies to clean the lines for people, um, and that's their only job. So they can yeah. focus wholly on it versus other things. So, and I, you know, as a consumer, I was unaware. I, I was aware of the importance of it, but I was not aware of the intensity of it. And so uh, now I can appreciate that better. I mean, it, it's easy to um, harsh on the the bars that don't do it well. But now I want to switch mindset and and appreciate the bars that do do it well. Absolutely. Because once you have good beer and you know where to get good beer, you've made a customer for life. Um, yeah. And you know that that beer is always going to taste good when you go there. And so it's always good to when you go to a place that really cares about their beer and, and the people who work there really care about the beer. I mean, I'm going to keep going there. Yeah. And so the draft uh, quality is just a part of it, but it's a very, very important part. Yeah, agreed. So visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. You can also throw us a few bucks if you uh, like this show and others at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash allaboutbeer to support this show. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a brand new show. Um, and if you have any questions or have a show idea, you can email the experts at podcast at allaboutbeer. That's also the email for feedback, suggestions, and inquire about advertising, because we're always looking for advertisers to help pay for the show. Um, before we go, Don, how can they reach you? Oh, uh, at social media, I mm-hmm. am at the Don of Beer. I also really like talking about beer. So if you want to drop me an email, you can do that. I'm Don at the Don of Beer.com. And yourself, Em? And I'm M. Sauter, so at Pints and Panels across all social media channels. And my website is www.pintsandpanels.com. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on the show and others, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.